just yesterday, Calvin University celebrated the graduation of the class of 2023, and I know there's a couple people, I saw pictures here that had grandkids maybe graduate, uh, right? There's, there, uh, there's people that have had their kids graduate. It was my niece that graduated. You know, I was actually surprised as Emily and I were, we didn't get to be in the place, but, you know, we were watching it on the screen, and we were just surprised at the number of people that we recognized, the number of names that we saw that were like, oh, that's a familiar name. That was a, a youth group kid over in Grand Junction when we lived there like 10 years ago. Or, well, that, that was our niece name. Yeah, we know her, right? Or is someone that we used to go to church with somewhere else or their, their child. And it made me think there is so much preparation that goes into graduation, isn't it? And even after graduating, their act of graduating is an act of preparation for something else, whether that's entering the job field or an act of preparation as they enter some other area of schooling as they continue further. But to get to that point, they had to prepare for final exams and prepare to finish projects. They, they had to prepare for those final exams by preparing to have a good night's sleep, right? Maybe. Uh, it's been a while since I was a college student. But they prepared to attend class by getting up in the morning, right? They prepared for those classes by filling out registration documents. They prepared to attend that college by filling out an application. They prepared for that application by preparing to finish high school. As you think about all this, you think our lives are this chain of events moving from preparing for one thing to preparing for the next thing to be preparing for yet another thing. And when we, when we have real value, when we find real value in that thing we're preparing for, we often will take extra time in that preparation, won't we? I think there's one area of our life that oftentimes we, we choose to try to prepare ourselves almost too well. For those who, who believe in Christ, it's... It's the, the commission that he gave us to be his witness. We find that in Acts 1, uh, verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And we think, well, i got to prepare for that. I have to take the time to prepare and so we're going to go on a, a five-week sermon series following kind of this guide, which is out in the back. I, I mentioned it, but I want to show you what it looked like uh, on witness. And what does it look like to actually be prepared to be a witness? And, and that's the whole first week here. What does it look like for us to prepare to be a witness? You know, perhaps you've heard or studied evangelism before. Maybe you haven't. But maybe you've heard these questions Questions that I would actually find 
fairly confrontational. Maybe you've been on the receiving end of these, but it's like, Janine, if you died today, do you know where you'd be? Right? Imagine walking up to your neighbors and uh, hitting the doorbell. They come to the, like, if you died today, where would you be? Be feeling con- confrontational, wouldn't it? And you're smiling, well, you know, I think I'd be heaven. Well, what makes you think that Jesus is going to save you, you know? Or what makes you think that we are worthy of salvation? Witnessing is, I don't think it's supposed to be confrontational. At least it isn't in my book. So what do you do to prepare that? It's not necessarily the right questions. Oftentimes in our denomination, the Christian Reformed Church, We value highly knowledge. That's why every pastor basically goes to seminary. Every pastor is examined. And if you ask Garrett, the examination I went through was way easier than his. They lowered the bar for all those people that have come after him that had to do Greek and Hebrew translation right there and then. Is that correct, Garrett? That is correct. You know, we value this idea of knowledge. And so when we think about preparing to be a witness, we think, Well, I need to know everything. I need to know everything to answer everyone's question that they're ever going to have in this Scripture before I ever go and I bear witness to Christ and, and who He is. And I'll let you in on a secret. I hope it's not really a secret. That you don't need to know everything in here. You don't need to actually even have all the answers to every question that someone might come up with when you're bearing witness to Christ in front of them. Sometimes the words, you know, I don't know, but let's try to look into that together, is the best way to bear witness to Christ. So we're going to think about what is the preparation that we go through to bear witness to Christ. And I'm going to point back at Acts 1.8, and you'll see a couple things here, and we're going to go through two other places in Scripture where we see similar things. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That's the first thing. The Holy Spirit coming on you. And then you're a witness. So we're going to head to Mark chapter 1. And uh, we're going to be looking at the baptism of Jesus. And I think that's on page 812 in the Black Bibles. Otherwise, grab your tablet, uh, grab your, your personal Bible, and head there. And we'll read through uh, a couple verses together, verses 9 through 15. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven came, You are my Son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the angels attended him. 
And we're going to continue. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. This passage is, is, it might be something that's familiar. We find it in, in three of the four Gospels. In, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew chapter 3, Mark chapter 1, Luke chapter 3. It's, it's repeated over and over because it shows some of the preparation that Jesus went through before He began bearing witness to God's kingdom and bearing witness to Himself as the Messiah. And I think there's, there's several things in here that we can see that we can relate back to how we ourselves are prepared. Now, in the book of Mark, you notice we were in the first chapter and the, the ninth verse when we start. Now, if you think that uh, your parents don't have many baby pictures or stories about you, um, Mark and Matthew and Luke barely have any stories about Jesus. We, we're not given this picture, really, of who he was as a child. We, we hear about him going and going to the temple twice. But what we do know is that during those 30 years that aren't accounted for, that, that Jesus at that time, before the Spirit descended upon him, he also was preparing himself for what he was about to do. Some of that might have been the schooling he went through to, to learn about the Torah and to learn about the Word of God. Some of it, some of it might have actually been getting to know people in finding out what the values of the people were as he lived life and as he worked with his father. Some of it might have been getting to know names of people, being able to call people by their, well, maybe not their first name, maybe it was Mr. Mr. Koning, or, you know, Mr. Whoever, Miss So-and-so. But Jesus went on these, these 30 years before he was baptized learning the lay of the land, learning what the earth was about, recognizing maybe the areas of weakness in people, in humanity. And as, as Jesus went through this, there came this point in time where he would, would meet with the man who was preparing the way, which is John, John the Baptist, this guy that had disheveled hair and ate locusts and and everyone thought he was odd. And Jesus came up to John, and, and John didn't think that he was even worthy of baptizing Jesus, but he did it anyway. And as Jesus was baptized, it was he who, who as he came out of the water, saw heaven tearing open. He saw this spirit that was like a, an image of a dove, a vision of a dove falling down upon him. The interesting thing, and I think I've mentioned this another time that we've looked at it, is it says that he saw. 
There was a lot of people there that were witnessing Jesus' baptism, but it was only Jesus seeing and maybe relaying at a later time to the disciples that it found its way in here, that it was just Jesus who saw the Spirit coming down upon him. And perhaps similarly, it's, it's us who experience those times where we feel or maybe have felt the Spirit come upon us. The Spirit coming upon us in a, in a way to, to give us comfort. In a way for us to have our eyes opened, maybe not to the ripping open of the heavens, but the ability to see God's kingdom in the ways He desires it to be enacted here in this world. To have our eyes open to what God is doing here and right now, and to have our eyes open to the salvation that God so desires that we ourselves know. The Holy Spirit coming upon us in a way that maybe we are the only ones that see it right away. Maybe we don't see it like that dove or that flame, but we know that the Lord is present because He promised to us He would be so. You know, Jesus, in this Spirit that comes down on Him like a dove, in the Spirit that enters each and every one of us, are the same. It's the same Spirit that God gave Jesus that He gives to us. And I think the interesting thing is when we look at, at who Jesus was, Jesus, we could say, well, yeah, Jesus was God. But we also point, well, Jesus is human. And when you think about the, the little bit of stories that we find out about Jesus and who He was, those times where He, he went to the temple, those times before his public ministry began, before he was baptized, what we find is that because Jesus emptied himself of all of, of the, the, um, the divine uh, powers he could have, the advantage that he could have by being fully divine, what we find is he only starts doing miracles and wonders and signs until after the Holy Spirit comes upon him like a dove. It's the, the Spirit. It's not just Jesus because he's divine, but it is the Spirit working within Jesus that gives him the power, because he had given it up before, to do the signs and wonders and the miracles that we find in the rest of the chapters of the Gospel. And it's that same Spirit that empowered Jesus that goes on to prepare and empower each and every one of us for His work. Secondly, in this passage, we look at verse 11. And just after the dove came upon Jesus, there's a voice that calls from heaven and says, You are my Son, whom I love, and with you I am well pleased. 
we could say, well, yeah, we have the Father in heaven, and this is the Son, so naturally you would have an expression of love from the Father towards the Son. But the reality is, Jesus hasn't even fulfilled his purpose yet. His purpose of coming to the world was salvation for all, and he hasn't done that. And yet, the Father says to him, with you I'm well pleased and I love you. We could, we could call that almost an act of grace from the Father to the Son. An act of, of love, showing that even before Christ fulfilled his purpose, the Father loved him. Even in the midst of the amalgamation of humanity and divinity, it was the Father that loved Jesus. Jesus didn't do anything to, to prove himself even at that point. Jesus being clothed with, with the Spirit and receiving the love of the Father now is sent out to be tested in the world. The interesting thing about those words of love is that those words of love are the same words that God speaks to us as well. When we have experienced the Holy Spirit in our life, maybe it's the Spirit who tells us as well, you're my son. You're my daughter. You're a child of God. With you I am well pleased and I love you. I loved you before you ever did anything to prove yourself to me. In fact, you don't need to prove yourself to me because I already love you. And I already extend my hand of salvation to you. As we prepare to bear witness to Jesus, to bear witness to His kingdom, we're baptized and we experience His grace. We're baptized and we experience God's love in those areas where we feel we fall short. We're going to head to another story as well where we see kind of these same things. There's a guy named Saul, and we talk about him in, in, in the book of Acts. And, you know, if there was someone in the Old Testament that you thought he was probably prepared. He had all the knowledge, if we think knowledge is what we need. He was considered a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was considered a Hebrew of Hebrews. There's a, a section uh, that he writes that he, he writes down all the things that he could boast in about his upbring, upbringing being circumcised on the eighth day as the law said, to be knowledgeable of the law, to being a, a part of the tribe of Benjamin, to have the, the best education the Jewish money could buy. And yet, and yet even though he had all the knowledge and, and he was put in all the right positions to be able to recognize the Messiah and to point to the Messiah, what we find out is that he was the chief persecutor of people who followed the Messiah. 
until one day. And we're going to read this from Acts chapter 9, verses 3 through 6. I don't have a page number for you, but uh, a little few books later. As he neared Damascus, this is Paul, on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground, heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Paul has this encounter with Jesus. Doesn't necessarily sound like a pleasant encounter. I don't think any of us would say that if Jesus came and blinded us, that would be a pleasant encounter. But he, he continues and he, and he heads on into the city as he was called to do. And Jesus at the same time is is working with a man called Ananias and says, Ananias, you're going to go, and i got this guy coming to you. His name is Saul. And Ananias says, I know a little bit about him. Are you sure about this, Jesus? And Jesus says, no, this is the person who's going to bear witness to me, to the Gentiles. So Ananias meets Saul on what's called Straight Street, and, and Ananias restores his sight. And what we find after Ananias restores his sight is that something like scales fall from Saul's eyes and that he's baptized. And then he goes on after, I think, three days to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. Saul has this encounter with the grace of God. In this case, the, the grace of God is stopping him from doing something, persecuting Christians. But also, the grace of God is, is when those scales fell off his eyes, when he was able to see the kingdom of God, and how was it he was to bear witness to the kingdom of God, and he received the Holy Spirit. Saul, the, the person that we read about that, that started all these churches and was a, a major church planter, has the Spirit come upon him, and he's experienced the grace of God. And then he goes on to share the good news. What this says to me is if, if any one of us is prepared to share the good news, to, if any one of us is prepared to bear witness to who Jesus is in our life, if any one of us is to, to bear witness to how God's kingdom is coming forth here in this world, if you have the Holy Spirit and you've experienced God's grace, that's all you need. You don't need an in-depth study of Romans and take people down the Romans road or whatever you want to call it. You don't need to have a, a 52-week class on how to share your faith with someone. The reality is it's the Holy Spirit and God's grace that comes in 
all of us that enlivens us, making us aware of His grace and causing us to have a desire to give that to someone else. And as we we give others grace and as we point them in a new direction to take that next step, we are bearing witness to how Christ's kingdom has an effect on this world, but more so our own life. God's grace and the Holy Spirit is all that we need. It's only by those two things that we are then sent out to be His witnesses. Now, Now here's where maybe it gets kind of personal. If we need to have experience, all we need is an experience of, of God's grace in our life, and all we need is the Holy Spirit, and we've experienced that. The wonder is, you know, why, why are we still so hesitant? And I can tell you that in my life, and probably Emily and my children could attest to this, if there's something that I don't really want to do, I will come up with the best excuses of why I'm ill-prepared or that God doesn't desire me to do something or anything. We are the best excuse makers there's ever been. And I think the thing that scares us about hearing that, well, it's just the Holy Spirit and grace is that 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 makes it mean that it's all of us. We can't have those excuses anymore that, well, you know, It's only people like Joel and Haley in Lithuania, or it's it's only people like Joshua and South Korea and Emily, or it's only it's you know Garrett. You know God just specifically gave him and Ruth the gift of evangelism and the gift to go somewhere and 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 be witnesses. But I want to remind us, and I don't say this to make us feel. Um, um, uh, I've lost my train of thought. I don't make us feel bad about ourselves. Uh, but I, I want to point back to Acts 1, verse 8, where he says, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I think what we need to remind ourselves is that God puts on us, he, he prepares us all the same way, the Holy Spirit and His grace. But then He puts a call on our life that brings us to those different places, like the call of, of Garrett and Ruth to, to be in the Philippines and Japan. Like the call of Joshua to be in South Korea. Like the call of Joel and Haley to be in Lithuania. And like the call He has for your life to be in Kentwood. God preparing us to bear witness to Him, to the power of His Spirit, to the transformation that His Spirit brings in our life by way of His grace, to all the people that we see every week of every day. God's grace given out as we go to a restaurant and as we treat the server with respect and dignity and kindness. 
God's grace on display as we begin to learn someone's name of some place that we begin to frequent. I'm going to point out uh, the youth group that goes to Chick-fil-A. And I heard recently that the Chick-fil-A people have started to recognize the youth group every time they come in on Tuesday. What if, what if God's grace was the youth group beginning to know those people that were working Tuesday night by name? That's what God's grace could look like. It's as simple as that. Bearing witness to God by way of finding dignity and value in the people that we see. That we recognize the image of God in every person that we meet. God's prepared you. He's gifted you with the power of the Spirit. He's gifted you with a tangible experience of His grace. He's gifted you with with salvation that goes beyond this world. He's prepared you. He's prepared me that all our moments each and every moment of our life would be an opportunity that we would bear witness to Christ by the content of our character and the way that we live. Let's join together in prayer. Father, it was Jesus who said that all authority in heaven and on earth had been given to him. And then he he gave his disciples a task. A task that resulted in church after church beginning. More people coming to Christ and more people bearing witness to his kingdom and his power. We thank you for how that grace comes into our life and how it wasn't something that we needed to earn, but it was something that you just bestowed upon us and you bestow on others as well. By the power of your Spirit, work within us that we may be faithful in bearing witness to you in every day and in every hour of our lives. Through the power of Christ, we pray. Amen.